Welcome back. Thanks for joining me and Collins for another episode of the Leaders Who Love What They Do podcast and the first one of 2021. Happy New Year to you all. For those who don't know me, I'm the founder of Blue Bottle Coaching and I work with senior leaders across a range of countries and industries to help them rethink and transform their leadership style to create high-performing teams. In particular, I help leaders who are stepping into a new senior leadership role to become the leader they want to be. Today, I'd like to welcome Rick Sanderson. Rick is Director of Business Development at Food Forensics Limited, a company that tests the origin of food across global supply chains. Rick is absolutely passionate about sustainable and transparent supply chains, and his career and motivation is driven by building a fair and compassionate commercial environment for producers, people and animals. He has been in the food industry for the last 25 years with senior roles from gate to plate, leading on commercial, strategic procurement, social, ethical and technical compliance and latterly building disruptive technology solutions in this space. He's also developed and sold two award-winning food companies and founded the Star Index as his third. He's the former UK Young Agri Consultant of the Year, Shell UK Entrepreneur of the Year runner-up and Fellow of the Institute of Food, Science and Technology and former Dragon's Den contestant among many awards and accolades. So welcome, Rick. Thank you so much for joining us today and Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, Anne. Thanks for having me. I was very uh, honoured and humbled to be asked to join you today. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you with us. Thank you. So you've done so much in your career, Rick, but although your many skills are transferable across many sectors, I'm interested that you've stayed in the food industry. So what is it that keeps you firmly there? You know, every day is different. It's a fascinating industry, a global one, obviously, these days. Um, And it's so vast, you know, from a, and I've, during my career, I've worked the whole supply chain, you know, the, uh, the passion that the farming sector has and agriculture and all the different sort of uh, agri-chain solutions that are out there and the way food's produced, the varied amount of food, how it's grown, horticulture, agriculture around the world. It's just so interesting. Um, and, you know, every day is a school day. I learn something every day. I've been in the industry 25 years and I get to the end of the week, I think, wow, I didn't know that. Um, and it's just so fascinating. And of course, like most industries, some amazing people. I'm so blessed to be in an industry with so many interesting people. So, yeah, there's loads of good reasons that I, I don't think I'll ever leave it. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're in, a, you're in a good place there, Rick. So, and yeah. you've had a number of senior level leadership roles across the sector, including having your own companies. And I'm very interested yeah. in, in what happens when you step into those roles. And uh, I'd just like to ask you two things. What are your priorities when you start a new senior level leadership role? And what, what are you thinking about at that point? Okay, yeah. So I suppose the the priorities are always, I would guess, it's it sounds cheesy, but it stood well for me. It's about vision, values, and voice. So does the company share my vision and my values, uh, and do the team that I inherit generally do the same? Um, and then once we get to a certain point, can we all speak with the same voice? Uh, and those things are really, really key because if any one of those three things are misaligned from bitter experience, it tends not to work or, or I tend not to be successful. So, uh, and there's many ways, you know, you go about doing that. Um, key to it really, I guess, is, is knowing the territory. I'm lucky. It's an industry I know well. 
So generally speaking, if I'm moving desks, it might be dealing with the same territory to some degree. Uh, uh, but key, 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 key is know the team, get to know the team, get on a level with the team. Uh, I know you and I have talked about this before, um, but it's really key for me is uh, I do certain things quite early in a job uh, to try and get to know the team really well, to ingratiate myself with them, to gain their trust uh, and get everybody pulling in the same direction. Yes, yeah, so building trust is is such an important thing, isn't it? And uh, and and how do you how do you do that? I know that you have you have some uh, some interesting exercises that you do all together. Well, yeah, I, I kind of do a few things like that. So there's some small there's some small level things. Um, you know, some I, I'm probably a bit old. I won't poke, park my car in the in the director's car lot. You know, I'll just try and just small things like that. I try and get on a level with the team, but. Very early on, um, try and set out a strategy. Any job I do, first 90 days are critical. People want you to set out a, you know, do a bit of listening, do a bit of learning, and then all of a sudden, you know, you've got to produce a strategy. Um, it's absolutely pivotal. You don't do that in isolation and present it to your team. They've got to pull, they've got to be part of it and be felt. However visionary you may feel you are, um, you know, it's so important your team are contributing to that strategy. And um, I have a nice little technique uh, that I learned many years ago called uh, the Merlin technique. And what, what was Merlin? Well, he was a great prophet. And so we have a really fun day. Um, I was going to say in lockdown, but it took on a whole different meaning, hasn't it? But <laughs> we usually have a day in lockdown with phones off and uh, whiteboards out and, and just try and have some fun and say, right, okay, well, let's pretend we're Merlin. We're looking five years ahead. Um, you know, find out what the industry magazine is. Let's say it's the Meat Traders Journal and just ask the team, look, you know, we've just won an award. We're on this front page. How did we do it? What did we do? And start at year five and work back. And it's such good fun. It gets everybody, however shy they are, everybody digs in and has a bit of fun and grabs a, uh, grabs a marker. And, and, and what you, what you, as a reverse engineering process, you come out with a fantastic business plan. It probably won't be delivered. They never usually are. But you know what? It's a great way of getting to know your team, getting on a level with them, letting them know real early that you're, you know, you're bought into each other. There's a bond that starts to, to build. Uh, and by hook or by crook, you've got, you know, you've got somewhere in the distance you're all aiming for that you've all you've all constructed. It yes, just well, there you've got you've got a vision there, haven't you? But you've also allowed your team to be very, very creative. And, and how does that help you as, as you move forward, would you say? It's really important because you want to set that tone. I mean, I, I, um, I loathe autocratic management. It's the worst thing in the world. Join the army if that's what you're looking for. It's definitely what they need. But I think in, a, in the environments I've worked in, it's got to be creative. And that's got to come from everybody, the alchemy of your team and the, and the shared experiences you've all got. And I want a really good culture uh, within my teams of people being really encouraged and enthused about bringing ideas and concepts. Um, I know we spoke before, there's the, the, the cliched old ideas box that comes out once a year at Christmas, you know, and well, if it was a great idea in January, <laughs> why wait till Christmas to present it, you know, um, you could have had 12 months making money out of it. So yes. it's really important, you know, your team feel valued that they can come up with those ideas and, and again, you know, create a culture within the business where they can pursue them. I really admire businesses like Google and what they do and, the way they've created that environment that people just go off and create something. But if you do, make sure you bring it to Google. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and actually that leads me very nicely onto the, the next little bit that I wanted to ask you about, because I know that business planning has been absolutely key to your success in many of your leadership positions. So could you let us in on the secret? How do you do that so successfully? I mean, you've already talked well, a bit about uh, looking at looking towards the future and reverse engineering. Um, how else do you do it? I think one of those, um, you know, I suppose success is, a, is measured in different ways, I guess. I wouldn't claim to be <laughs> uber successful, but I think what's what's worked well for me um, and again, lessons learned from many years ago and a few bruises is um, find some territory that's your own. Uh, and the philosophy I work to is a fantastic book, which I can thoroughly recommend to all of your listeners, which is called Blue Ocean Strategy oh, by w-, w. Chan Kim. And you'll be, you'll be delighted to hear it's actually as an institute in France at Fontainebleau. Oh. So, um, look it up. It's blueoceanstrategy.com. Um, but the whole idea is um, don't compete with your rivals, make them irrelevant. Uh, and obviously work in the food industry. Much of what we do is commodity driven, commodity products. But in every role I've done, I've always looked at it through that prism and encouraged the team to do so. So right, what, irrespective of this commodity product we're producing, and in my past it's been meats, cheese, dairy, produce, whatever it may be, find an angle, find something where, and the blue ocean, sorry, I should have explained, is red ocean is, is bloodstained, it's where the sharks live. Find your blue ocean where nobody else is. It's undiscovered territory. And believe me, every single time there'll be something. There'll be, and it's obviously the, the Americans would call it niche marketing or niche marketing, but it's it's a really great philosophy, and it'll work. It will work for you. Oh, that's really interesting. So, when you once you've found that blue ocean, um, what's what's the next step? Again, it's part of the this. This gets back to the fun factor. Really, is get the team involved. Um, so I always call it beating the street. So get the team out there doing the stuff, beating the street, go do the shopping, go to the cafe, visit the restaurant, go to the supermarket and talk to people. Ask them, ask customers, ask staff, why do you buy this product? What do you value in it? So I think I, you and I have talked about this one before. You know, it's in the cheese industry. We did a load of work with the, with the cafes and the coffee shops, you know, because they really value the melt on the cheese and the fact that it doesn't damage the uh it doesn't damage the panini press and so things you wouldn't even think about are of massive value that they're prepared to pay for but you wouldn't know unless you ask yes it's a, yes it's a really key and the, and the team love it you know they come back it's a bit it's a bit sort of investigative and they all come back all excited that they found this little nugget of really fascinating information um, so actually speaking to your customers that's the that's a large part of it then do you know I'm, I'm a big believer in this there's lots of big swanky agencies out there that would do this for you and would gladly take your book do it yourself I can't, I can't encourage people more to do that because it's great fun doing it anyway um and you get it firsthand it's authentic you know you'll listen you'll hear things that an agency wouldn't you know yes. go talk to your customers you know your product you know your territory talk to talk and listen to your customers it's the best free marketing ever Mm, yeah, great. Thank you, Rick. Well, we're just going to move on to something that's very different, but I know something else that is very important to you. Um, you've been working a lot around modern slavery because uh, unfortunately it is a reality in the British food industry. And it's an area that you've worked extensively on, especially in your recent roles, if I've understood correctly. Um, it's a huge topic. So without going into all the detail, which would be impossible just in, our, in the few minutes that we have, could you tell us a bit about that and what you think are the most important solutions 
yeah, as you say, it's become a bit of a personal passion, really, because, um, you know, it, I've done a lot of work with a modern slavery charity called Unseen UK. Uh, look them up. They do a fantastic job. They run the National Slavery Helpline. So for any business, any anybody that's that, that's in fear of slavery can ring the helpline. They do some fantastic frontline things in terms of rescue homes and uh, and all sorts of amazing stuff. So I've had some good first-hand experience of what they're doing to help industry get their head around this. Now, uh, our government aren't exactly covering themselves in glory at the moment, uh, but I won't get too far into politics. But one thing they did very well was introduce the Modern Slavery Act in 2015. And what that's doing is it's, it's, it's pioneering. It's the first in the world to do so, and much of the world is now following us. But it's really putting the emphasis and responsibility on corporations, uh, companies, to take responsibility for this issue uh, and doing so create a statement every year that's visible to you and I as customers on, on their websites about their attitudes towards it, how they're rooting it out of their supply chains, what are they actually doing to get involved and try and work with their suppliers and their supply chains to solve this problem. Now, uh, this is a very immature situation and for a lot of companies, not just in the food industry, right across the spectrum, and I've, I've dealt with many, it's emerging issue they're trying to tackle and grapple with. So, you know, there's a caveat there that I'm cutting them some slack and there's, some, there's a big sort of understanding curve I need to go on. That said, uh, it's not been a great start. We're five years on from the act. There's still top 100 companies out there that have not produced a statement, let alone done anything about it. And it's under our noses. You know, unseen is called unseen because it largely goes unseen. Mm. And actually, but if you think about it, it, it affects all of our lives. There are over 40 million people uh, in the UK, uh, sorry, globally, um, said to be associated with, with slavery. One in four of those are children. Um, and if you go around with your eyes open, it's in our evidence. It's, it's, it's very prevalent in the food industry, which is why I'm involved in it. Agriculture, you know, picking on farms, all the things we used to do as kids, washing our cars, working on farms, nail bars these days, all these kind of areas where if you just walk around with your eyes open, you see it and it's really a, a, a sad outcome of modern society and in my industry, pressure on food production. You know, um, modern food production is very challenging. Margins are really, really low. Uh, supermarkets have got high visibility of cost of production. And one of the few areas businesses can control is labour. Um, and so that's what tends to give. And so that sort of race to the bottom in terms of the lowest la cost labour as possible as manifested in modern slavery. Um, and there's bigger societal things which we haven't got time to go through on this podcast, but there's there's a whole heap of stuff companies could and should be doing to tackle this. And that's what I'm, you know, I'm passionate about spending time doing um, these days. And for us as consumers, how can we how can we do our, our bit, even though it might just be a, a little a little bit towards that? The power of consumers, is, as always, is ask questions and hold these businesses to account. Um, I mean, I've already mentioned um, most of the things. If you're buying from brands, go check their websites out. It's a legal requirement. They have a modern slavery statement at the bottom of their homepage. So if it's not there, you know, these days, get on Twitter. You've got the ability. Go find their CEO. Ask why it's not there. Um, get on LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever. You know, it's, it's a fantastic age we live in to, be, to hold people to account. Um, go and talk to your store manager. They're duty bound to talk uh, to senior management within their businesses. You know, make, make this issue a priority. It's a really difficult thing to tackle. 
no business is going to put a sticker on a packet of produce to say this is slavery free. It's just not going to happen. However, look out for a product called Tony's Choco Lonely. Uh, you'll see it out and they've actually done just that and, and they claim it's uh, slavery free chocolate. So it's starting to bubble to the surface. And obviously you've there's lots of sort of virtue signaling in food these days, but there's some good stuff going on. You know, Fair Trade Foundation, Ethical Tea Partnership, all these kind of things. We all pay more than the fiver for a coffee these days as we want to know people are being looked after. So, you know, that these things are bubbling to the surface. Keep your eyes open and use your pounds wisely. Yeah, great. Thank you. And uh, finally, your top tip for other leaders, Rick. I'm sure you've got more than one, but if you could just choose one. Well, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to go for two. Um, but one of them I've mentioned a few times already. So you've got to find room for fun. You know, it's uh, a long career, whatever it is you do. And, you know, you spend a high proportion of your time at work, find time for fun. Your team will love it. You'll love it, particularly in some of these darker moments right now that we're living through. You've got to find that space. Um, and the other one I would say is, uh, and this is a key one, actually, I've dealt with Asda a lot in my career. Um, and I much admire a lot of the things that Walmart brought to them, actually. And, and a key one is, is a philosophy around recruitment. So obviously, for all you leaders out there building teams, you'll know it's you, you live and die by recruitment. Um, so it's recruit for attitude, train for skill. Um, you know, if you've got a good a good apple uh, who's prepared to work really hard, good good work ethic, good team player, you'll get more out of them than the best striker on the pitch who can't be bothered. Simple as that. Yeah, that, oh, that's very interesting what you say about that because I think it fits fits in very well to to what we know about uh, uh, potential of people and that if people have the right mindset, that's so much more important than what they can actually do today. It's their potential to to grow, to change, to adapt, and uh, and that's where that's where the value is. Well, it's it's really interesting, Anne. I mean, you say you know here I am professing all these things and. I've probably been a bit lax on some of these things myself in terms of investing in my own time and career. And hence why we're talking. You were very kind and spent a bit of time for those listeners. that I actually changed roles during lockdown. So I was a lockdown leaver and starter and, and, and helped me along the way a little there with some advice around my priorities and my values. And yeah, it's worked out well. <laughs> oh, thank you, Rick. That's kind. Yeah, it was, it was, we had some interesting discussions, so it was great. <laughs> Yeah, great. Well, thank you, Rick. I just want to make sure that uh, listeners know how they can contact you. What's the, what's the best way? Is LinkedIn the best? LinkedIn's the best. You'll find me on there 24 hours a day, probably. Uh, I'm always out on there. So uh, forward slash Rick Sanderson. Uh, I'm on Twitter, rsanderson1. Uh, if you really want to get in touch with me, most times these days I'm on a bench somewhere in a park nearby because that's, that's the only place I'm allowed to go. Um, so you can come meet me in person there two metres apart. Otherwise, find me on social media. Great, great. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thanks so much, Rick, for joining us and sharing us, sharing with us so many practical ways in which you lead your teams. I think I think that's been brilliant. And for those who wish to order the book that Rick mentioned, I'll put the details in the show notes and also I'll I'll put in the other the other little bits that he mentioned, the the chocolate, I think. That sounded an interesting one as well. We'll put that in. Thanks to you, our listeners, for joining us. For more information about Rick, please visit my website, bluebottlecoaching.com, and go to podcast. Don't forget to leave a review if you've enjoyed what you've heard today if you're a leader looking to progress in your career and transform what you do do join the love to lead community for more details of that please go to today's show notes this is Anne collins thanks so much for joining us and for listening and do join me again soon to meet another inspiring leader who loves what they do goodbye goodbye